The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors, a one-stop shop for all your legal needs. Call us now on 203 1268. It is the Anfield Wrap, City Talk 105.9. Got a bit of a three-part show today, very much breaking itself out. In part two, we're going to be talking to Sam from Married to the Sea, uh, who's an Arsenal supporter, about what they've been up to. In part three, we're obviously going to look at it from a Liverpool perspective, but in part one, we're really, really pleased to do this. We've got uh, James McKenna from Spirit Shankly and Bob Humphreys from the Supporters Committee, uh, along with Mike Nevin, uh, to have a conversation about well, what's going to be going on over the course of this weekend, really. Tonight, if you don't know, and we've mentioned it before, uh, in the sands, and there's, uh, there's an open meeting for people to come and talk to the supporters committee to put the concerns over uh just have a general conversation it's good to get some some ability to to put faces to names bob and i think that that's a big deal isn't it at the moment for the supporters committee you want to feel as though you know people people can know you they can recognize you they can talk to you about the things that are affecting them and all that sort of stuff so it's it, it'll be good tonight in the sanden yeah yeah you're absolutely right i think uh, the first couple of years you know we were trying to get ourselves a little bit more organized and uh this year certainly is all about communication getting out there getting people to to know us and what we're about uh, we, we are a supporters committee not to be mixed up with the uh, transfer committee by the way which uh, <laughs> we've been called worse but uh, no yeah we welcome anyone to come along today it is an open meeting 7 and, o'clock uh, tonight at the Sandton it's 7 o'clock so yeah Excellent stuff. I mean, you've got this meeting lined up on um, Sunday in the next supporters committee meeting. Tom Werner's meant to be there. Ian is meant to be there. And the, the, the subject header of the meeting, which James Benson gave me, who sadly can't be here tonight, was uh, price and structures, the cost of being a supporter. I mean, what, what's, how, how do you expect this to, uh, to, to develop on Sunday? You're not just going to be limited to this topic, but it does look as though this is what you want to be focusing on. Yeah, well, what we've done in the past is, uh, obviously, there's 12 people on the committee. We represent different constituencies, and everyone's got like their own angle on issues. Issues that that they have, that fans raise with them. But rather than it be like a scattergun approach to questions, what we've what we've moved to now is uh, more of a, a themed approach. So uh, this this particular uh, topic is. And about, it was your decision to do that, wasn't it? It's not oh the yeah, clubs, it's, it's the individual committee members' we, decisions. We, we, we uh, it's our agenda. It's always our agenda. We can put on there anything. And what we always do is obviously because I've got that meeting tonight. Is there any issues that are raised tonight? We always leave a, a gap, you know, to add anything that maybe we haven't covered so far. It feels like uh, Jay. There's the ticket in question, the cost question. It's very much, it's very much pressing at the moment. There was the recent uh, success in terms of the, the uh, Spirit of Shankly linking up with other supporters groups to get the cost of the the Arsenal FA Cup away down. It's we're at around the time of the season where people begin to think about ticket prices going into next season. It's important, isn't it, that on Sunday in in, in the meeting uh, that 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 honest views are are put over and and tonight's an opportunity for people to to begin that process. Yeah, the, the view we get from supporters time and time and time again is the cost of, of going the match. It's it's huge. Next season, they're going to be paying for, for season tickets, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. We've seen massive increases last season. You know, ticket prices for away games have gone up and again time and time again. And our argument, we say when we talk about this cost, is that it's not sustainable. That football supporters, you know, the lifeblood of football clubs, the people who, you know, the clubs market themselves upon, just are not going to be able to afford to go soon. They really will run out of supporters. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder myself and uh, I've, I've also got uh, a son who uh, has got a season ticket and one of the things that irks me, apart from the, the sort of astronomical cost of being a cop season ticket holder, is the fact that I've got to pay uh, twice, basically, for, for my own son to sort of sit in the cop um, and he has to pay an adult price, and that's I'm sure one of the issues that you'd be looking to raise uh, with with you know through the committee at, at the meeting on Sunday about you know sort of kids pricing. Well, not just kids pricing, 
um, the availability of, of 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 tickets to to under 16s um you know as, as sort of un, unaccompanied uh, under 16s and also just the general the general pricing structure because as at present there isn't uh, an under 16s option in the cop yeah, that, that's absolutely right, and we, we've raised this before, and it'll definitely be on on the agenda for for Sunday. Uh, we're, we're we're looking for like under 16s to be to be given the opportunity to come along and actually pay for their own ticket, not to be accompanied. We're looking also for the 17 to 21 category. Right. Uh, so you know they, these will definitely be raised. We've raised them before, um, and I believe the club are warm and round to this, and they are listening to us. So uh, I'm really hopeful on on well, Sunday. Well, what strikes me, Jay, you know, it's easy to sort of Rightly, to a certain extent. I mean, FSG are uh, you know very much the, the, the investment group, but the you know the people at the top of FSG are quite publicly and avowedly Democrats in the United yeah. States. You know, there's the, these aren't people who are necessarily, and we all know that what de- what, what counts as democratic in the United States means it's probably still a million miles to the right of me and you. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's still this there is therefore that sort of that awareness there that you know that 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 you know that, that, that there's an inequality issue that all these that, that, that there are things that need to be addressed and changed. If there's one thing that you know it's that the conservative right in America doesn't want to do it, it doesn't want to change the democratic centralist stuff wants to change so you would think there should be common ground really for Liverpool supporters and those at the top of FSG you're right this, this is a fairness issue especially in the season in which we're going fairness to is a key word isn't it fairness is a key word we're going to see now a footballer playing for Liverpool Football Club from next season Luis Suarez earning £200,000 a week the cost of match tickets and the revenue they generate from match tickets doesn't actually make up an awful lot of the massive sums of money they're getting in from the new commercial deals that they've signed with Warrior and Standard Chartered, or from, I'm sure, plenty of the other commercial deals that they sign. It's a mere fraction. The increase in last season's ticket price was 1% of the wage bill. So, you know, that 1% to 99% analogy we use when we talk about fairness and inequality, that's clear again to see there. And I think, you know, People in these football clubs, they do understand the concerns. We've we've had meetings with Ian uh, and Phil Dutton talking about this before, and we've mentioned it to FSG when we met them. But, you know, even in the past, under Rick Parry, and you know, I don't think Rick, Rick Parry was necessarily uh, famed for his left-of-centre politics, but, you know, we, we talked to Rick Parry about season ticket freezes in the past when the, you know, when the economic re- recession hit a lot of people, and the club did freeze prices. We've talked to them before about Charles tickets, and I think famously, you know, the Utrecht game in the Europa League, they, they made tickets £5 for kids. So they, they can't move on this, and they know it's an issue. It's about whether they come round to our way of thinking as supporters on this. Uh, I think what's interesting, what's, what, what's interesting, this Bob is, it, it, it's the holistic thing now. I don't think that for a while people used to categorise supporters debates in terms of there's the regular fan who's going every week and there's the fellow who's coming in from out of town whereas now there's a large number of people coming in from out of town we don't see things in that black and white way anymore there's loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of shades of grey and those supporters those supporters are coming in from a distance firstly they're represented on the committee but secondly they're also you know they're also shelling out huge sums of money just to effectively watch a football team and you know it again this is it's something that and no one says it's easy being Liverpool being on the supporters committee or being Spirit of Shankly no one says this is easy but again that's something that you know it would be nice to see the club begin to address as well yeah well see if 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 people could like just draw a blank canvas and just say okay how should we structure like the tickets and should season tickets for example be cheaper should match day tickets be dearer should we remove categorization these are all the issues that we want to hear for fans what what their point of view is and we'll as i say we can raise it on sunday well i mean jay on this on the line of this uh, spirit of shankly you, you did a survey we, we mentioned it two three weeks ago uh hopefully got a great many responses i mean was there anything i think that ultimately if you if you ask a consumer do you want your product to be a bit cheaper they're mostly going to always say yes yeah. but was there anything that was particular 
particularly that got your attention within there? What stood out for me? Because one of the questions we asked about ticket prices were, were they too high, were they value for money, and so on. And you know, people said they were too high, and they said they weren't value for money. But we asked a question about season tickets, and we said to people, "What do you think? You know, you should be paying for your season ticket." And we gave them a number of options. Currently, season tickets range between you know seven hundred and ten pound and eight hundred and fifty pound. You know, so you'd probably expect some people to say that's an okay price. We then went said that you know, do you want to pay? between six and seven hundred pounds, do you want to play between five and six hundred pounds, or do you want to pay under five hundred pounds? So the automatic instinct and the easy option for a lot of people to say is well I just want it to be cheap as possible and I'll go for under five hundred pounds please, as as it is a number of other clubs. The supporters didn't say that. The most overwhelming support for a category was the five to six five to six hundred pounds. You know, so that they recognise that we shouldn't go ultra cheap. It's unnecessary and probably, you know, not gonna happen. But five to six hundred pounds was it was seen as reckon you know a decent price and I think that fits with the prices we've hit on about the idea of you know twenty to twenty five pound for a match ticket thirty pound in some cases for a match ticket is achievable and affordable and that fits in with the that price and structure yeah and and the key thing there is that the differential between what people appear to be sort of willing and reasonable and you know feel reasonable about paying and the current prices would make would make practically uh, not zero difference but a very little difference to the overall sort of income uh, off tickets um through the club and uh, as part of the overall income of the club uh, including commercial deals sky money and all and, and the likes of that um, and I think also as well the, the the indications on prices that people have, have felt uh, would be reasonable are more in line, say for example, with the the prices that Everton uh, have have advertised this yeah. week, um, where season tickets are approximately five hundred pounds. Lots of deals for under sixteens. Uh, I think there's you know sort of a category for even younger kids than that. Mm-hmm. But it just encourages Everton. I mean, obviously Everton have got a different scenario whereby perhaps the you know the, the supply and demand thing is isn't quite there at Goodison. But that offers them the opportunity to be more realistic about bringing dads and lads to the game. But that that, that that supply and demand argument is often the argument supporters say to us when we talk about ticket prices is the reason why they can't lower prices. But that, interestingly, isn't the argument that Liverpool Football Club use. Liverpool Football Club's argument is about competing. So if we want to talk about competing, well, let's put ourselves up against our nearest rivals. Let's put ourselves next to Everton at the moment, who've finished ahead of us for the last two seasons. And I think also as well, Manchester City as well, I and mean, you could argue that they can subsidise t- ticket prices because they've got, um, you know, sort of more... Um, but under FFP, they won't be able to. No, um, but at current, currently, you know, you might feel that they can subsidise prices because they've got better, or were apparently to have, um, you know, sort of more uh, wealthy backers. But nonetheless, they appear to have a more regular system of offering the £1 uh, child's ticket for FA Cup games, for European games even, and that have less um, less value, for example. But as a rule, as a club, uh, they appear to be doing more to, to satisfy the the needs of local people, local kids, local mums and dads. Go, go, just going back to like where, where we we do sell out, and we you know that 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 is one of the reasons, not the sole reason, but it's one of the reasons that it keeps prices up because demand does uh, outstrip supply. But Arsenal sell out today sixty thousand, and this year they've introduced a one thousand category uh, stand for under sixteens. And and they, uh, albeit it's only for day games. If it's a night match, then you know there there are some conditions attached to that. But it just shows you what clubs can do, you know. And if Arsenal can do it, there's no reason why we can't do it. Uh, Jay, this is what's, what was also in the question. I was I'm intrigued to know the answer. Have you published these survey results? By yeah, the way, yes. Survey uh, results are all on our website. They're on the live, website, along with some recommendations. Good, good, good. So on there, what struck me when I was filming the survey in? What what, what was the response to the, the tiered the tiered question? 
Uh, surprisingly, uh, and this again was a surprise to me, uh, 61% of supporters think that it's fair that better seats in a stand are more expensive. The idea of tier pricing is not one that supporters are opposed to. What they're opposed to is the way that Liverpool imposed it last year and also that the more expensive seats, it's rated you know, with less value for money. The paddock, for example, uh, you know, the numbers of supporters in the paddock, Think about it. 57% of those who've got a paddock seat rated the facilities as poor or very poor, which is something we told Ian Aaron Phil Dutton last season. But they said they've got an introduced tiered price in somewhere, they've got to draw the line somewhere, and they're going to have to just do it. I think, I think for me, like what, what, what I'd like fans to tell, tell us tonight and to, through any other means is that do they agree with stretching the prices to a degree where the top price is going to be expensive? Sitting on the halfway line behind the director's box is going to cost it a lot, but we will actually introduce a lot of cheaper prices for people at the lower end of the economic scale, unemployed, low wage, etc. Do people agree with that sort of structure or not? Well, I've had conversations with corporate season ticket holders who've said, you know, the idea of paying a bit more for them if it meant that there were child's tickets available and that there were other concessions available for supporters is something they'd willingly accept. But I think what's got to be the result of today, you know, tonight's meeting and the meeting on Sunday with the club is a much, and the survey's shown this, I think, that there's a, a desire for a much greater dialogue between supporters and the club to find that approach that works for us. It's, there's no reason that we need to keep following other clubs. We've got an opportunity maybe with new, all this other money that comes in from other sources now to develop a new ticket and model that works for supporters. That's, that's bespoke to Liverpool. Yeah, that's bespoke to Yeah, us. well, Liverpool are actually doing a survey at the moment, uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers, who are doing a, a sort of survey in terms of what, what's the appetite for uh, corporate hospitality at the club if they were to provide it. And I think the idea is like, you know, how what that will help the club to structure. And I know this new stand and the new grant. I won't believe it either till the first bricks lay, but, you know, well, they have been doing this work and, and hopefully that will lead to that situation. I want to come on to that, Jay, you know, the new stadium stuff as well. I mean, it's it's, again, it, it, let, let, let's not do it the other way around and talk about the stadium as though it exists and, and make decisions accordingly. Let's do it this way around. It's important, isn't it, that the club finds ways to actively work with the core stakeholders in the area and those people are the residents. It's not It's not the match day traffic. It's not anything like that. The core, the core stakeholders in the area are the residents. Well, you know this, Neil, from our early days in Spirit of Shankly. You know, one of our first... And clear aims was that when we're going to talk about a stadium and talk about what goes on at Anfield, we've got to think of the people of Anfield. And you know, the people there have, have, felt, have felt let down for a long time, felt that they haven't been listened to or openly communicated with. You know, and that's important. We, us football supporters, who think we're so important to the area of Anfield, we turn up once or twice a week. We're not in the grand scheme of things. We don't live there. We don't put up with all the hassle. We don't see the hassle that I suppose all us turning up on mass bring. And I think they, you know. The, the, the people of Anfield deserve a big say in this and hopefully that, that's been included and we're looking to have a meeting ourselves where we can talk to them about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Jay there. The residents are really important, but what you have got is that they're not like two separate groups. You've got residents who are fans, you yeah, know. Yeah. And to me, Liverpool fans have been the most patient ever. We've wasted a promise after promise, design after design, delay after delay, and that obviously impacts on the residents as well as supporters. Hugely. So, yeah, so, you know, we, we, hopefully with the, the, the news that came out last week is, is a, a big step in the right direction. There is now a, a minimal number of houses that just need to be uh, secured, and then hopefully things will start to move. What strikes me as interesting, uh, quite consistently in all this, Mike, you know, it's, it, in terms of you know discussing the residents, in, in terms of discussing the community, in discu- terms of discussing community work, and I'm quite, you know, we, I do keep trying to emphasise this. Really, it's not great for FSG in terms of you know, ultimately, this problem. It's not of their making. 
You know what I mean? This, this this process has been going on for so long now. I mean, it's been going on for almost as long as I've been effectively going to the match in one in one form or another in terms of what's going to happen with Anfield, what's going to happen with the area. It's you know, it, it it must feel to them a little bit at times. I do, you know, I feel sorry certainly, you know, for the American for the American angle of all this, where wherein they must think a little bit like Jesus. You know what I mean? We've got to, we've got to solve this on top of doing this on top of doing this. You know, I think it's important that there is an element of sympathy there because Bob's right in that the supporters have been so patient, but this lot haven't been in for that long. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's been so many false dawns, hasn't there? You're sort of dating back to um, when it was mooted about shared stadiums in Stanley Park. Not that, not you know, necessarily we would agree with that. Um, and critically, with Hicks and Gillette, when you know we got these sort of supposedly fantastic designs before it became a. They were great then, weren't they? Well, and then you know what a boss. What a boss. What a boss. What a boss. Way to loans of money before before it became sort of obviously apparent that they were you know utter charlatans. You know that they, they looked impressive designs. There was um, it was sort of based around a fantastic new cop, a single tier cop, um, but since then, you know, there's, there's been, as I say, there's been other false dawns, and I think there's a there's a scepticism among supporters now, and um, that uh, you know ultimately there's going to be a spade in the ground, a brick laid, um, because this has been going on for the best part of you know 10, 15 years, and I think it's just you know it, it is perceived wisdom that Liverpool have delayed this you know for far too long, over various. Um, periods when the club's finances have, have differed in, in, in relative strength um, and as I say now I think most you know most people who've been going to the game for the last 30 years or so we, we, I've got the uh, the mentality that we'll believe it when we see it I think I, think, I, I do understand a little bit of sympathy for, for the current owners but they came into it that their eyes open you know the stadium was was a, a an upfront sort of condition you know so so doesn't shouldn't have come of any surprise but uh, as I say I, I can't get this image of this Hicks fella out of my head he's sitting there with a mug in front of an open fire and his lads are in the background with scarves on it, it just you know really was a, a, a con that didn't fool anyone but uh, unfortunately, the, the current owners have to live with that, and this, the, 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 obviously, the, the cynics out there will treat them as in a similar vein as, as the others and it, until that first brick is laid. As far as the FSG are concerned, I think there is, generally speaking, an amount of goodwill towards them at the moment amongst your, your sort of your average fan, if you like. Um, and I think there's a desire on, on the part of those supporters just to see a statement of intent as far as longevity is concerned. And longevity for me is a commitment towards, uh, uh, you know, not necessarily a new stadium, but a redeveloped stadium. Um, OK, then, Jay, one more thing. We go. We, um, <clears throat> we had you on the weekend. We were discussing the issues around access for the Merseyside derby. There was a meeting this week, wasn't there? Uh, do you want to just go into the, the, the specifics of it? Yeah, there was a meeting. I know Bob was there as well and, and Spirit of Shankly yeah. represented in Blue Union and it was to look into what actually happened at the derby and I know there was a lot of feedback around from supporters' experiences and we shared experiences of how there's been a number of turnstile problems and that there were also turnstile problems on the night on the cop uh, for some supporters trying to get in as well. So that's being shared and, and I think that you know the view for us is that the football club needs to, as, as I said last time out, is that they need to really look at this and address this and the people in charge, Jeb Poynton and his team, really need to learn some lessons from this, not just in communication but also the, the, the actions on the night. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of that footage and, and it is worrying and, and it does take you back to, to, to Hills but I just looked at that, I just gave you that feel. I know it's not a tunnel but again, that Anfield Road and when you're looking at it with Hordens on one side and the brick wall on the other, it, it, it is compact and, and it, it is frightening and it does need to be addressed and I know uh, that 
that's happening because I was brought back in again to give my comms. I know Spirit of Shankly and, and the Blue Union are also uh, going in next week to, to give there some evidence. There is going to be an investigation, so isn't there? There's going to be a full investigation, yeah. and that's what should happen, and I'm glad. But I must say now, uh, thanks to Joe Anderson for bringing that about, because otherwise I don't think it would have done. OK, then this is the Anfield Rap City Talk 1059. That's someone saying something pleasant about Joe Anderson. John Gibbons is going to be furious. He's going to be in <laughs> after the break. Uh, also joining us is going to be Steve Graves. Thanks so much to James and for Bob to give up the time, not just on this issue, but on all the issues they give up the time. 7 o'clock for Sandon tonight. There's that meeting on Sunday. There'll be lots of information going backwards and forwards. Don't go anywhere. After the break, we're going to have a conversation with an Arsenal supporter. The Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9. It is the Anfield Rapper about to be joined by Sam from London. Uh, I'm married to the city to discuss Arsenal's season so far in a second. But before we do that, and we're not going to put Sam on the spot with this because, I mean, John, our shows tend to be really ramshackle <laughs> on a Friday. How ramshackle would you rate this one out of 10? 11. It's been bananas. 11, yeah. Uh, the agenda is just a list of words. Uh, <laughs> apart from part one, I made sure part one was sorted for uh, for James and Bob. So we're sort of making this up a little bit as we go along. But we've got Sam and he's going to talk about Arsenal in a second. Opening question's going to come from, I think it was Timothy Birchall and uh, if, I get, if I can get his exact words, that would be nice. But I've managed to even lose this um, in amongst all of the carnage. Um, yep, it is. If you could send a footballer to the Winter Olympics, who would it be, and for what event? So, if you could send a footballer to the for the Winter Olympics, who would it be, and for what event? Uh, John Gibbons. I'm going to go with Ali Sissoko on the luge, <laughs> just because it was very similar to his um, his attacking style at the weekend, which was fast in a straight line, but with no control whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> just launching himself at it. Uh, Mike Nevin. Um, I'll give one nine. I've actually got three. Um, my first one is Andy Carroll figure skating. <laughs> Be absolutely glorious. Uh, loads of spinning rounds. Uh, loads of knees hitting the deck. Um, go on, Mike. What's your first one? Okay. Um, well, it's fairly obvious as far as his nationality is concerned. So he's Finnish. He's not finished. He's Finnish. Uh, Yari Littmanen. And it'd be in the speed skating because it's quite a graceful event anyway. But I think he'd he'd just add so much guile and finesse to speed skating, and he you know he'd be bound to win. But um, as long as Julier wasn't on the Finnish selection team, otherwise he wouldn't even make it. Wouldn't make, wouldn't get in there. No. You've just made I love speed skating. You've just made it that little bit better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, just that little bit better. Um, okay, then Steve, what's yours? Um, I was going to do speed skating as well, because basically in speed skating, if you push people over and cheat and get get in front of people and be really niggly, that's how you win. Your gracefulness doesn't really count. So um, I'll have Luis Suarez. <laughs> point of order is, point of order is, Steve. You're talking about the short, the short track speed. Yeah, skating, the short track run. Oh, I, I'm talking a... about the, the the sort of more aesthetically pleasing longer version, which has okay. been that's been in the in the games for you know sort of the generations that I would remember that you wouldn't. Okay. Short short track is <laughs> short, 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 short track is what? newfangled. I love the way Nevin's <laughs> essentially just told Steve off. <laughs> Uh, excellent stuff. Okay, one of, one of my other ones. Steve. One of my other ones. It's not a footballer, but I'd love to see Davy Moyes doing the curling. Um, <laughs> okay, joining us now then from London. It's very kind. He's had to run out of something to do this for us. Is uh, Sam from Married to the Sea? That is effectively your surname this evening, Sam. Um, you're down in London. You've you've, you've uh, moved back down there recently. I want to get the Arsenal perspective on this season so far. From you, really, Sam, and, and the transfer window just gone. You know, are you concerned? It's it's going to be. Given the fact that you're currently top of the league, it could end up being a bit of a missed opportunity. This, yeah, um, I, I don't know really. I suppose it's it's hard to think that we need anyone when we're top of the league, really. And that might be a bit silly, but we have got Bentner, so <laughs> you know he can always come on and pretty much play any position. 
I mean, well, uh, this is th- 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 it. Feels now uh, it's good to get an Arsenal supporter on tonight. I really wanted to get one on because I'm going to do the list of fixtures: um, Liverpool away, Manchester United at home, Liverpool at home, Bayern Munich at home, Sunderland at home. Oh dear, Stoke away, Swansea at home. Uh, then the quarterfinal of the cup. Then Bayern Munich away, Spurs away, Chelsea away, Manchester City at home. That takes us through until the end of uh, until the end of March. Uh, the, so the quarterfinal of the, of the cup, if you get there, obviously get through against Liverpool. Um, I mean, this is this really is the crucible of a season, isn't it? This is whether or not Arsenal have a successful season or not defined in the next ten games. Yeah, and it's usually around this time uh, in previous seasons where everything falls apart. <laughs> um, and I think it was the two thousand and nine season. I think we lost the uh, Carling Cup final to. Birmingham and then got knocked out of the FA Cup and then got knocked out of the Champions League and so I'm a little bit worried that this fixture pile-up is just going to do the same thing again basically um, I, I mean I've got more faith in this squad than previous ones but this, I think the next four games or five games is over 11 days which yeah. is a crazy run really yeah, it's um, it's from the um, the, the Liverpool game is the, the game of the weekend is on the eighth. The game against Sunderland is on the twenty second, and in that period, you play Liverpool twice, Manchester United once, and Bayern Munich once. Bayern Munich are good as well, Sam. I don't know if you've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard they're all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it is this sort of uh, uh, what I mean. What's your instinct? You're saying that the you know Arsenal have fallen apart at this period before. What's your instinct? Do you see it happening again, or do you think that the squad's got it in it to to get through this bit? If not unscathed, you know, going out to Munich would be absolutely no disgrace for any side who's left in this competition you know if not unscathed you know do you think that you can come out of this period in contention for at least one of the two cups and in genuine title contention um i think i think for the first time in a while i've been genuinely uh kind of uh comforted by the defense i think uh kishani and Mertzaka have been brilliant and i think as a backup for marlon's like a really good person to have um so i'm kind of more excited by what they could achieve together i think the midfield is excellent um i think we're still a little bit light up front but i think on on the whole it's a much stronger squad they've also been playing together for longer yeah and and i think i mentioned this when i was came on the show previously is they haven't had any big uh players leaving Mm. which is something that they've has happened for the past few years, Fabregas, Van Persie, Nazri. So it's kind of like a nice little unit, I think, at the moment. It's uh, Steve, for me, the Arsenal thing which interests me, Steve Graves, at the moment is it is this, this key supporter concept of, of plausible hope that right now, and I think for the first time in two, three seasons, it's interesting that Sam's articulating it there, He's looking at that squad and looking at this run of games, and he's not thinking the wheels are definitely going to come off. He's looking at it thinking, well, it's, it's plausible we can do this. And that's that's testament to Wenger and, and what he's done in the, over, since approximately 12 months ago when they when they went out to Bayern Munich. Yeah, and there's the element of, sort of continuity there, and I think that's probably something that Liverpool have benefited from as well, a, a relative degree of continuity when you compare to almost every side in the league, um, which has undergone some form of upheaval, whether it's been self-inflicted or has has come on them sort of inevitably. Um, so in a way, there's there's a sense that sort of Wenger could be the last man standing and, and could could produce produce that season. And, and obviously, the fans know that he is a manager who's got that in him as well, which is a really important thing. You know, there's, there's managers at other clubs that the fans don't have that yet have that belief um, that, that is inbuilt. Although obviously with Wenger, it's going back a little while. Um, 
it is interesting because while while they have added one basically world world class player, um, you would you would say that this is in in many ways one of the weaker squads that he's had. Um, but that togetherness is, is something that you can really see, and the, the, the sort of influence that Flamini seems to have brought mm. into the side is, is massive. Well, I mean, this is what strikes us about the game at the weekend. From, from, to concentrate on this game, Sam, you know, with, with Flamini being suspended, uh, with Ramsey being injured, it's not quite a, it's not quite the midfield that you'd want to bring to Anfield. I think certainly off, off what you've seen so far this season, the Oxlade Chamberlain's finish for the opener yesterday as a, as a silky footballer, Sam, uh, last weekend that was that, that must have brought you a bit of pleasure. Yeah, and. I- because I love Matthew Flamini, and I, re- I like because he gets really sweaty during the matches. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. You want your players um, to work hard, don't you? You want you yeah, want to see do. that they've done a bit. No, like sometimes when I see players coming off and they're not, they haven't got any mud on their knees or anything. I'm disappointed, <laughs> even if they've even if they've bagged the brace. You know, <laughs> I, want, I want more, um, but you know, and so. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed he's not playing, I have to say. But I think I still think uh, Cazorla, um, Wilshire and Ozil, I think that combination, and uh, Rizisky as well if he plays, is, is for the first time again, like a, a genuine threat. I think people, well, I don't know what you think, uh, a little bit kind of worried about those kind of players causing some damage. I mean, what we saw, what Mike, when we went to the Emirates earlier this season, was a, was five central midfielders who were all so comfortable on the football. So the idea that there's a weak link that you can target in possession, you know, Mike, that, that we just didn't, that simply did not exist for Liverpool that day. They were all able to, they were essentially playing triangles around what what what, what constitutes Liverpool's midfield. Yeah, I, I thought Liverpool were especially weak through the through the middle in that game, um, and also uh, you can relate that back to the uh, the home fixture at Anfield, uh, the beginning of last season, which was just in. The, the wake of the transfer window, there's uh, there's a weird similarity there actually in, in in light of the fact that we didn't add to our squad uh, in January, just in terms of maybe a, sort of a perceived depression about the crowd at Anfield. Um, it's an early kick off tomorrow, but generally speaking, I think tomorrow Liverpool have got to adopt a, a more sort of a more aggressive pressing game to put Arsenal under pressure. I think against uh, Arsenal, we effectively sort of sat sat back and let them waltz through us through the middle. Tomorrow potentially, um, you know, Alan. Could could be fit enough to to be included maybe at the uh, at the ex- exclusion of uh, Coutinho um, possibly and I think that would you know would facilitate a more aggressive um, approach from Liverpool than we certainly put into practice at uh, at the Emirates early in the season. So Sam, I mean, how are you expecting to see the game go tomorrow? Twelve forty-five kickoff can be a bit temperamental those sorts of fixtures. Um, it's the, the start of this process of 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 a hundred and one Arsenal games. I mean, what are you what 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 are you expecting tomorrow? Let me let me let me phrase the question a little bit differently than ask you for a for a prediction, which is figures plucked from the air. Would you take a point tomorrow if I guaranteed it to you now? Uh, yes, and my, my prediction was one all mm-hmm. for tomorrow. Um, I think a, a point at Anfield and then going into a home game against United, which I think is definitely winnable. Mm. I think would would be like a pretty good return for the two like tricky games really. I think uh, it's it's going to be hard tomorrow. I am a little bit worried about it, but I'm always worried whenever we <laughs> whenever we play, really, especially against Liverpool. Can I, can, um, well, can, can I just ask another question? Would you rather have the three points or go through in the cup? Um, the in the FA Cup. Yeah, uh, I think I'd rather have three points. 
I think that's interesting stuff. I'm going to be asking that question to these three people in front of me here on the Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9 in the next part. We're also going to discuss this match from a Liverpool perspective. We're going to have a, a brief conversation about uh, the developments um, in the inquest around Hillsborough this week. Uh, we've got a competition for you as well, and we're going to be talking about the Anfield Wrap magazine. We're going to be exchanging our favourite Daniel Sturridge quotes. This is City Talk 105.9. Don't go anywhere. It will be a profound mistake. And thanks to Sam, he was marvellous. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. It's the Anfield Rap indeed. City Talk one one zero five nine. I got all those numbers wrong there. Uh, got Steve Graves with us, um, chief reporter for the Liverpool Echo. Steve uh, Hillsborough inquest uh, pre final pre inquest here in this mm. week. Um, it was noticeable that the QC representing um, David Duckenfield has made clear he wants to uh, discuss drunkenness of supporters. It was. Um, it wasn't a, a huge surprise. Uh, we've seen in the um, in previous hearings, you know, that they've um, raised the issue of whether the um, Hillsborough Independent Panel Report was independent. Um, the clues in the name, but they, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it isn't a surprise. And as you know, obviously, and he, he's there to um, to do a job for his clients. I suppose is is, um, is he's the, the he's issue. He's the go-to QC if you're a policeman in a spot of bother. Yes, he is, according to his own website. Um, yeah, Great I mean, this, this, you know, this was to be expected, and you know, there will, there will be more. There will be more of this. You would imagine. You know, we're not even at the point of potential criminal, you know, criminal charges and, and trials. Should there, should there be any brought, um, you know, they then you might expect this to to step to step up again. Um, but you know, the fact that that we're at this this early stage of the inquest, it's given it's given the families, I think, a, a, an eye opener in terms of what what they can expect. Um, but that's not, you know, that's not to say that it, it's, you know, that it's going to be taken on board by 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 the inquest and by and by the jury. You know, that's what that's what they're there for. So we, we have to um, put the, you know, the faith in the jury that they can they can listen to the evidence and, and decide for themselves. I think it's um, it's like it's going to be tough. There's, there's, it, it seems quite clear that there's going to be a tactic used to rake over a lot of of, of rather unpleasant stuff. Um, <clears throat> not just for the families, but for survivors as well. It's got to be seen off this sort of thing, I think, but it's got to be seen off, unfortunately, with the dignity that the actual uh, the accusation and the implication of what they're saying, frankly, doesn't deserve. Well, quite. I mean, I, I think I just really sort of echo everything that, that Steve said there. I don't think, you know, we, we, anyone was really sort of any illusions as to the fact that, you know, it potentially become could become a dirty fight and that the sort of initial uh, unproven allegations would surface again. I think that's just, you know, that's just the, the, the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Um, but as you quite rightly say, um, throughout, you know, the, the, the plus 20 years since, um, you know, the initial scurrilous comments that were made to, to tarnish victims and survivors, everyone has conduct, conducted themselves with the, the absolute dignity. And I think that must continue. Um, not just sort of at the inquest, but for the people who would be taking, uh, you know, a sharp interest in, in all the proceedings. Next thing that I want to mention uh, this week is the Anfield Rap magazine. Uh, within it, there's an interview with Daniel Sturridge, uh, audio interview, 35 minutes thereof. Uh, what's your favourite line, John? What's your most quotable line? <laughs> Um, I like having banter with Tizoka in French, even though I can't speak French. He can't speak French, he just lets his funky rhythm do the talking. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it's Daniel Sturridge for you. What's your favourite line, Mike? Um... I'm going to go the, the, the other way. I, it was a great interview. I enjoyed absolutely, well, practically all of it. I, I thought he overused the, the band. I, I ate the, the, the bants, the banter. I ate all this. It's not for you, is it, Mike? It's not for me. And, you know, I'm a relatively older fellow. I'm not into banter. Um, 
I just, I just, I don't want to, I don't want him using the word banter. But um, other than that, it's a fantastic interview. Um, if, if you read the text, it, you know, it, it's really interesting, and there's lots of stuff that you wouldn't hear, uh, for example, in a sort of a staged interview, maybe via the club or normal media, if you like, or traditional media. Um, but more than anything else, get onto the audio because he really gives of, gives uh, of himself in that, and you, you get to you get to sort of get a feel for the re- the real fella in there. And he's, he he seems like a smashing lad. He loves a lob, Steve Graves. He makes it clear he loves a lob. <laughs> he does. Um, I like the I like the cookery uh, segment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of, of Andy Heaton going round for tea um, on some kind of sort of pseudo date. <laughs> it, it just yeah, it, it conjured up all kinds for me. He hasn't got a Michelin star. It was evocative. He hasn't got a Michelin star. Well, he hasn't. He was quite open about that. Yeah, he was. But he's got he's got years to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, after his career ends. Well, as, as Gerard Houllier said, you know, you don't want to be studying for a Michelin star now. You've got to after your career is finished <laughs> to open a Michelin star restaurant. Uh, okay. What's your favourite bit? My favourite bit. I just love. I, I actually love the interaction between everybody. My favourite bit, honestly, is when um, when he says when Heaton saying train oh, different word for trainers, and he says trainees, traps, wheels, webs, and Sturridge goes webs, and Heaton goes, I don't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> really, it is great. Well, people who you might have seen like there's been quotes used in in all, all the papers and things like that from the from the interview so you might think you know about it but listen to the whole thing it's really funny he comes across great and fair play yeah, it's to it's not the stuff that makes news lines is it the, yeah it's no, good the, it's the, the stuff about his so fair, fair exactly. play to it uh, to stud jeff for getting stuck into it yeah great stuff indeed and, but and if you can sort his webs out in the process <laughs> <laughs> um also on uh, also in the magazine it's not the only thing in there you've got it's, it's all free to download you've got steve on new brighton you've got loads of stuff from john on music you've got mike and evan on the rivalry with everton there's loads and loads of really good stuff in the magazine so check it out and go from there right Liverpool versus Everton from the Liverpool perspective now uh, Mike Nevin made noises before Steve Graves about Joe Allen he made noises about maybe Liverpool being stronger in midfield three in there but the problem is Liverpool won three in the centre of midfield and they also won two up top Steve Graves square that circle I, I can't work it out because you can't do 5-3-2 either really can you no you can't got no we, did that at, we, did that um, at, we did that at the Emirates as well and it didn't really work First yeah, half. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, that w- if if we had the personnel, I, I wouldn't sort of rule it out on that basis because I think we could, you know, we could still make it work. I just we haven't got the personnel. Um, I don't know how you get Joe Allen into the side, even though I desperately want to get Joe Allen into the side. John Gibbons, how do you get Joe Allen into the side? I think you'd probably play him alongside Gerrard and then push Henderson up, um, and then, and then Coutinho. Potentially, okay. that that is how you get him into the side if you do it, and I don't think it, I don't think it's the worst shot in the world. I thought we were better when Joe Allen came on at the weekend. I think he allows us to, to keep the ball much better. I think he's he's an intelligent player, but I think I, th- I would like to see him in there somehow. It's it's kind of a bit harsh on Coutinho because he played so well in the derby, and maybe you know it's, it it turns into a straight shootout between him and Henderson. And do you want Henderson's energy and his running? Because Henderson hasn't played as well the last few weeks, but he has been playing deeper, and I don't think he's quite got it in him to play that role yet. So maybe you say, well, you bring you bring Allen in. It, 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 as opposed to Henderson, but you know, Arteta found it so easy at the Emirates, and he had so much time on the ball. You kind of think, well, you'd like someone like Henderson's going to give him a lot more problems and a lot more issues than Coutinho. It's tough, but the nice problems to have. They're all good players. They're all good at the footy. <laughs> you want to see Sturridge and Suarez, don't you? You really do want to see Sturridge and Suarez, but you don't particularly want to see either of them pulling wide too much, Mike. You know, Liverpool have got to solve this. Everton they were able to do it against Everton because John Stones is ultimately a young centre back forced into a right back position. Sanya will hurt you if you give him all that space. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see who Arsenal have got on the other side, though, because I think last week uh, Monreal played and Gibbs came on as a late sub. So, 
Um, you know, there may be potential for us to do something similar against Arsenal uh, in one full-back position. I think the interesting thing, though, I mean, you know, it's a must that Sturridge and Suarez have to play together. And what I've noticed just in the last few games is that his incredible run from halfway, notwithstanding, Suarez, for me, has looked a little bit, um, a little bit off. Uh, he's not quite scaling the heights that he was uh, in sort of November, December. I think he's only got one goal in about four games. And in particular against Villa in the last 20 minutes to half an hour, I thought he looked absolutely knackered. Um, and I think that's why, you know, sort of Sturridge, who appears to, who seems to score every every game, is is indispensable. So we've we've, we've got to we've got to play both of them. Um, I, I personally would would go with Joe Allen um, for the reason that John said there about sort of facilitating a different, slightly different role for Henderson, uh, and also just because I think we just need that extra. If we play both of them, though, the it, doesn't one of them have to deal with Arteta? Realistically, because yeah. Henderson's <laughs> probably got to pull to a flank. Very possibly. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you. I asked Sam a second ago. There's other things I wanted to get to, but we'll, uh, for instance, Sarko missing, presumed dead. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Been out for two to three weeks for four months. <laughs> um, um, yeah, at this sort of point, you, if, it's, if, this is, if this is in work, you're calling social services yeah. at this stage. Oh, yeah. Um, Surrounded by cats. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I was going to say, same question I asked Sam very, very quickly. Uh, John Gibbons, three points or the FA Cup win? Am I getting one if I say the FA Cup win? You can have whichever one you want. No, as in one point. Uh, no. No, so I'm getting beat. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. Um, I think I'd take the FA Cup win personally, and I understand why Sam did the complete different thing. I just think it's not the end of the world for us if we um, if we if we don't win at the weekend. I, I obviously really want to, but I don't think it's the end of the world because I think I think a lot of the, the teams around us, and um, well, more of the teams below us, are going to be dropping points between now and the end of the season. Steve, uh, three points. Uh, Mike Nevin. Yeah, three points as well. I think it's crucial. Um, there'll be, be a lot of depression around the place if we get beat tomorrow, and we can't afford that. Yeah, but we'll be back up when we win that FA Cup game that I've just guaranteed. So you've got to think about that. Okay, John. Uh, <laughs> John, John Gibbons never has got his eye on the long game there. And I'm going to ask you very, very quickly because we've got 10 seconds score prediction, John. 2 1 to Liverpool. Uh, Steve. 3 0 to Liverpool. Uh, Mike and Evan I'm going 3-1 Liverpool dead confident excellent stuff this has been the Anfield Wrap this week and you know what you know what you know what I'm going 2-0 see you soon the Anfield Wrap brought to you by High Street Solicitors have your will drafted or amended for just £49 plus VAT call 203 1268